And now you're like, okay, now what? Just yesterday I was driving the, the vehicle. Now I'm sitting on the right front seat in charge of three to seven guys, whatever it might be. And you have to make some really tough decisions. There's no grooming procedure from that. It's kind of, it's kind of strange. You get thrown in the hot seat quite a bit. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. Enchanted Sky Studios in Prescott, Arizona. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategies, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. You are listening to the show for and about firefighters. Let's get started. So let's say you wanted to become a company officer. In your interview, you'd probably tell them it was because you felt your leadership could help the department, and you'd probably mean that, even if you also felt that a promotion would give you a raise, or more prestige, or mistakenly, less work. But if those were your real reasons for wanting the job, you're headed for trouble. Here to explain why and what a company officer really needs to know and do is Kelly Lemons. Kelly is the deputy chief of the Colonial Park Fire Company in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. He's also a firefighter EMT for the Defense Logistics Agency. He served over 19 years in the Pennsylvania Army National Guard and he's a staff sergeant serving as an infantry advanced leaders course instructor. Kelly was awarded the Purple Heart after being injured in combat in Iraq in 2005. And Kelly Lemons joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Well, thank you, Scott, for uh, having me here today. This uh, this is actually my first podcast, and uh, uh, I want to thank you for inviting me out here to Code 3. I think it's pretty awesome. Well, I'm glad you chose our show to be your first. We'll be gentle. <laughs> uh, I got pretty thick skin, so it's it's all right. All right, we'll get right into it. So in the real world, what are good reasons to want to be an officer? Well, there's a multitude of reasons to be an officer, but the the most important is the fact that to be an officer, you need to groom the next generation of firemen that are coming up. And I think it's vitally important that good officer has that grooming capability of his underlings underneath him. And with mentorship comes a greater responsibility for the good of the fire service to upbring better officers and more officers in our trade. I think it's very important that that quality comes from all the officers. Some have it, some don't. You got to kind of nourish that and make sure that you are bringing that up for everybody. When you become an officer, it's no longer about yourself. It's really the job's never really about yourself to begin with. But when you take that officership role, you put yourself last and your men or women come first. So that means assisting them to promote, to better themselves as far as education, as far as uh, anything, life, life skills, life goals, uh, whether it's family oriented or in the job. I think a good officer is well-rounded in those things and is able to help in multiple facets of 
life. It takes a little effort to get to be an officer, and there's a screening process. But have you ever found that despite that, sometimes the wrong people get the job? Yes, I do. I do believe that the wrong people sometimes get the job, even through the toughest of screening processes and toughest of tests and everything else like that. But I think that's all across any job that you end up potentially getting somebody who is not uh, very qualified or who might be qualified on paper but lacks the skills to nurture and groom or be an officer. There's a big difference between an officer who has it deep down inside as a leader and an officer who passes a test in order to become an officer because it's one of his life goals. And I think a lot of times people want to promote for the wrong reasons. And those are the people that sometimes squeak by the testing processes and are not, they're not there for the right reasons. And what are some of the wrong reasons to want to be an officer? Just to name a few, if you're wanting to become an officer because of money, I'd hear a lot of people, you know, promote because it puts a little coin in their pocket. I think that's completely the wrong reasons to, to promote. Another one, another big thing that I've, uh, throughout my career, have noticed is that people want to promote to get off an assignment anymore. And I think that's a poor reason to promote. Uh, those are just two reasons. Sometimes people just worry about themselves. And I think that would that'd be a detriment to the fire service. And you have it. I, I've, I've been in the military for 19 and a half years now. And you have that same, same thing going on there. People promote, not exactly for the right reasons, but more of they want to put some money in their pockets. They're not there to to be ate up about the job in general and just love the job every day is the, the the thing that goes is between their family and the job goes goes forward with it so in short basically you know a lot of money comes into play when people promote that's i don't think is right and you know an assignment coming off of there i think is a wrong reason to promote but those are just two of the reasons i think they're critical uh, that we need to, to step away from a few years back, the Peter Principle was a big thing. It says that people get promoted until they get to a job they can't do, and then they stay there, screwing it up year after year. Have you seen this in the fire service? In the 15 years that I've been in a in the fire service, 15, 16 years that I've been in the fire service, there's definitely a lot of people who take on the responsibility and test and promote, and then they're way way deep into it. And a lot of times they don't know how to deal with the promotion psychologically, mentally, and then in the end, physically doing the job of, of an officer. So yeah, I think it, in, in short, yeah, there's plenty of people who promote IE for the wrong reasons and then uh, end up getting to a place where they feel comfortable. And as Aaron Field says, comfort is the enemy of growth they feel comfortable, so they just kind of coast along instead of bettering themselves. But if they've promoted for the wrong reasons, they're kind of stagnant in there, and there's no real way to push them along to either demote or find something else to do. They're not going to get demoted unless they make a really serious screw-up, so they're probably just going to sit in that job. Yeah, they're going to ride it out. And then you see a lot of that. You see a lot of that stuff when uh, company level officers are riding a recliner instead of pushing their guys to do better. And ultimately, you know, we want we as officers, we want to push our guys to do better. We don't want them to stay stagnant. We want and we're supposed to groom them to be better than us. And I feel that 
you know, a lot of times we forget that. We always have the mentality that, oh, we got to hold in information or we can't let the people get better than us. But that's part of leadership is helping people become better than you so that a department is left better than you found it. Well, there's also the idea of leadership by example. If you're withholding information and playing games, they're going to figure that's how it's done. Yeah, and it creates a, it's a, it really does create a toxic environment in there where people are out for themselves all the time instead of for the greater good. A lot of times the senior man has more experience than a new officer. What role does a senior man play when someone below him or at his level gets promoted above him? The senior man, to me, uh, the definition of a senior man is sometimes skewed. And I like to, to make sure that the senior man, in my eyes, is technically could be a, a, a person who has two or three years on the job or a person who has 20, 25 years on the job. To me, necessarily, the senior man isn't uh, so much the senior. It's called the senior man, yes. But sometimes the most senior people don't act like a senior man. They don't they don't act in that in that capacity. So are you saying that senior man is essentially a state of mind of how you act around your coworkers? I, I do believe that the senior man is is truly, as you said, a state of mind. Not a self state of mind, but I believe that crews and departments kind of put that senior man into place because they come to him for a lot. So so if they're used to coming to him for a lot, what role does he play when someone gets promoted around him? I mean, I'm going to assume that he didn't want the same job. He just wants to be the senior man. The senior man doesn't always want to promote. He just potentially wants to be a driver who is a senior man. But the relationship between a senior man and an officer go hand in hand. Generally speaking, the senior man deals with all the stuff that's at the at the lower level uh, in the company so that, you know, if there's any problems arises, he kind of nips it in the butt before that even happens. Along with that, the senior man knows what his officer is expected of him. So the officer has expectations of the senior man. Obviously, it's the new officers told, told that to the senior man. And he then relates that over to all his other guys. It's kind of like a second line of supervisors, but he deals with all the in-house things that are going on, whether it's the daily training, unless an officer has a specific task that's done. The covering officer, if there's a covering officer that comes into the station, the senior man generally is the person who that covering officer comes in to talk to, you know, what's the daily training or schedule. So he's really, really the guy who uh, is the grassroots company level guy that can deal with anything that's coming on to the company. He usually knows the rig more than anyone else. Everything else that's going on with the rig, whether it's out of service or something else is going on with their needs service from anywhere from cooking dinner to dealing with the shift problems. I think the senior man is a vital partner to that officer. As long as that officer has entrusted him with that role, that's a tough balance to play. Now, when someone makes officer, how do they make the transition from buddy to boss? Well, that's always tough. Uh, whether in the military or in the fire service, it's really a tough, tough fine line between the two things. At the end of the day, the officer can still be friends with all his crew members, but he has to realize that the buck stops with him. So ultimately, he's going to have to make some decisions that are potentially unpopular with the men or women. And those men and women have to respect him enough to 
understand that that's that's part of the, that's part of the job, and they can't always be uh, going their way just because they're friends. And vice versa goes with the officer has to realize, you know, that a lot of times he can't act the same way that he has. Now, there's a crazy thing that happens when officers get promoted; they become sometimes feel that they're above their guys, and it, it shouldn't be that way. Yes, you you change a little bit, but it's not. A drastic change where you're beating on your chest and say, "Well, I'm the boss now." It is a this somewhat of a democracy, but he ultimately rules the roost and and is in charge of the company or department of whatever position he's in. So he has to play that fine line balance of earning their respect. Same thing goes with them. A lot of times, I feel that company officers should probably be moved from a station. I know in the military, if you get promoted, you know you generally move whether it's a team squad or company. I was going to suggest that it might be better if they made captain and were put in a different house rather than just moving them up over their coworkers. Correct. And then that's a lot of times that happens, but in small departments, you know, it's tough. You know, you don't always have that luxury and that takes a good company, good, good uh, company officer to be mature enough to handle that new responsibility. And same with the, the senior man and everybody else underneath there that, they should really realize that what just happened, he's promoted, uh, should be happy for him. There's a lot of animosity sometimes because they might have been taking a test too or, or whatnot, but everybody has to uh, understand where we're at. What does the new officer need to understand if, let's say, he does get transferred to a new house? They know he was just uh, an engineer last week and now he's a captain. What does he need to understand to deal with the people's attitudes where he's going? I strongly believe that expectations first and foremost to the new to the new assignment, whether it's you know whatever house it is, he sits down with his shift and he gives them the expectations of his wishes. And I think the other vital important part is that we always forget is while we as officers might have expectations, so so do those people that are under him have expectations of him. And I think he should, listen to to what that new crew or company or whatnot has for him as, as expectations. A lot of times new crew members want to train X amount of time during the day, maybe a shift in time of training, whether they go to the gym or not. And he should be respectful of, of kind of tailoring the day around that and understanding that they have expectations, you have expectations. And I think together, can create a great team that uh, works hard together and is effective. So is there any training or preparation that might make a candidate better once he's selected and make it a smoother transition to officer? Believe it or not, I think some departments have training, but it's not across the across the nation. I mean, they have training as taking, you know, fire officer one, two, three, and, and executive fire officer. But all those don't prepare you for the station because you almost have to be a, it's it's crazy. You almost have to be a father sometimes as an officer to try to deal with all the personalities and all that stuff that goes on. But there's no set training that prepares you for that. And I think the fire service in general lacks that that scope. Sometimes you just get thrown, uh, you're a fireman to one day or an engineer or whatnot, and then you get thrown in to that seat. And now you're like, okay, now what? Just last day, yesterday I was, uh, you know, driving the, the vehicle. Now I'm sitting on the right front seat in charge of, you know, three to seven guys, whatever it might be. And you have to make some really tough decisions. So I think there's, there's no grooming 
procedure from from that. It's kind of it's kind of strange. You get thrown in the hot seat quite a bit. Now I know do some some departments have it, but it's still don't I still don't think it's where it needs to be. I think some departments who feel that maybe two or three guys are ready for promotion, they should be groomed and given responsibilities to act in that acting capacity before they even get promoted. Because then you can kind of tell where they're at and where they're sitting uh, mentally, physically, and whether they know the job or not. All right, great advice, Kelly Lemons. Thanks for being with me on Code 3 today. Thanks again. I want to just uh, tell everybody, you know, thank you uh, for support. I do run an annual uh, conference every year. It's uh, called Making a Stretch. It's October 18, 19, and 20. I do a lot of leadership stuff there and tactics. Big thank you to you for having me on the show here today. And we've put some more information about company officer leadership on our website at code3podcast.com slash in charge. All one word, in charge. Check it out. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. This time we talked about what a good company officer should know and do. I'd like to hear your stories. Have you ever had a company officer who just wasn't cut out for the job? How did you handle it? Just email me, scott at code3podcast.com or leave a voicemail at 562-337-9902. I'll read your comments and play back your messages on a future show. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's topic, or subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.